Hello everybody, I'm Ben Henwood and welcome to episode two of New Generation. I'm very excited for this episode because I have our very first special guest and that is Abby Peabody. Hi, um, I'm Abby Peabody. I'm a junior here at this college. Um, I study international relations and I love to do service work. I use they, them pronouns. I prefer those, but she hurts okay too. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Abby, for joining me. I'm super excited. First guest on the pod. Super excited. Feeling good about today. So the first thing I'm going to go over per usual is how COVID is going uh, here in the United States. Um, we're in the middle of our second wave, which kind of sucks. Um, I mean, sucks is like an understatement. <laughs> but um, yeah, in the U.S., we've had, uh, well, today, this is being recorded on November 17th. Um, we've had 166,000 new confirmed cases with 796 new deaths. In the state of Pennsylvania, we've had 6,214 new cases with 14 new deaths. So, like, as I've said before, guys, like, seriously, wear a mask. Like, don't be that asshole. Like, wear your mask. Follow the guidelines. This is something extremely serious. Like, I usually don't use Facebook on here, like, to cite anything. And I'm not really citing anything, but I saw on Facebook this one nurse or doctor was explaining how um, how tough it was um, to, like, tell her patients that they, you know... They weren't allowed to see their families and how it was so messed up that they had to FaceTime their families for their last words. And and that's something that, that really sucks. And I want you guys to keep that in mind when you think about this uh, this virus. Uh, what do you think about the virus, Abby, and like everything that's going on? Um, I hate how political it's become because it's like not a political thing. People's lives shouldn't be based on politics. Um, and as we've seen, I mean, now I bring in politics, but as we've seen, um, Trump, his cabinet is not willing to meet with Joe Biden's, you know, proposed cabinet, um, to go over like COVID guidelines for the future, which would make the transition like very easy. And like, I don't know, I think it it would just save a lot of lives if they would work together, but Trump is not conceding. So therefore like. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's something I, I talked about last episode, even how like this transition period is so important for Biden and, and his staff. And, and you know, it's one of those things where if you're Donald Trump and you really want to see this country succeed, you have to meet with Joe. You have to talk about COVID, especially because that's the biggest thing that has really affected um, Trump's administration. And um, I agree. I'm very upset that's something that's political. People's lives should not be political. Um, and not even people's lives, but how this is affecting people should not be political. Like there are people that aren't able to, that, that have been kicked out of their, the places that they've lived because they haven't been able to make rent. There are people that are hungry. Uh, there are people that have lost jobs due to this virus. And I feel like there could have been a better effort overall um, to control the controllables. And that means um, getting emergency funding for those who needed it. And the fact that there was only one stimulus check released uh, I think in like the past six months, and it was only $1,200. That is absolutely ridiculous, and that's not enough for anybody. Um, but now we're going to get into a new segment of the show that I wanted to add, and this is called the Statistic of the Week. So I thought this would be something cool because there's just random facts out there and just, just cool stuff. Um, not random, but, but stuff that pertains to our generation uh, that I feel like y'all should know. So the statistic of the week uh, for this week's episode is that the average drunk driver drives under the influence more than 80 times before being arrested the first time. And that that's definitely not good. Um, 
when I saw that, I was definitely like blown away, and, and I just wanted to let you guys know, like, if if you're drinking, please call a cab, get a friend to text you. Um, call me. <laughs> yeah, literally, you just just call somebody um, because drunk driving is, is something that is has um, you know has caused many lives to be lost and has has caused a lot of sadness for people. And it's something that specifically pertains to our generation as well. So please, if you are drinking, call cab. And now we're going to get on a more positive note. Um, we're going to talk about some of the, the victories that were in Congress. I mean, we have had this with this Congress. Um, we have had like the most diverse Congress ever. We've had um, the first uh, openly transgender woman, Sarah McBride, elected to Delaware's state legislature, which was a huge win. So, Abby, how important do you think this was just to the LGBTQ plus community? Um, I would say it was amazing um, as somebody who identifies as non-binary, which like falls underneath like the transgender umbrella. Um, I mean, I, I'm really interested in politics, and I think seeing that somebody who is outwardly living their truth is able to be in a position of power and to represent people. Um, I think that is promising for other trans um, people who are interested in politics, but it's also like awesome to have that, that representation of somebody who looks like you um, and has like your best interest in mind. Yeah, most definitely. And also just want to quickly shout out Maureen Turner, who is the first uh, Muslim member of the Oklahoma House of Representatives, and also the first publicly non-binary U.S. state lawmaker. So that's another great victory. Um, and just the diversity of the um, 117th class of Congress is, has really been big. We now have 134 um, women um, in Congress. That's a new record. And we've also had um, the youngest lawmaker in Congress um, elected. Uh, he's the youngest lawmaker that's been in Congress in a while. North Carolina representative-elect Madison Cawthorn. Um, so that's that's huge and um, the first black woman to represent the state of Missouri um, in Congress Cori Bush was also um, elected so we've seen really a, a blanket of wins here for diversity and, and that's great that's really great um, but something we we really want to talk about is how can we translate these wins um, in in politics and in, in the world of politics how can we translate these wins into society? How can we make members of these communities feel more comfortable um, around us? And that's really something we wanna talk about because we want more of these people to run because let's be quite frank, um, the Congress of the United States is not representative of the population. Uh, only 60% of people in the United States, and this is from uh, CNBC, um, only 60% of people in the United States um, identify as just white, and 79% of people in Congress are um, white. So I think that's something that, that we need to um, improve on the race end, and that's just, that's just on the race end. Um, we need to improve things on the on, with the gender binary, males versus females. I know that we have 134 women in Congress, which is which is a record high. But I, I think that that we need to be we need to get more women in there to represent the population of women in the United States, right? And I also believe we need more 
members of the LGBTQ plus community in Congress to represent the proportion of, of people in the United States who identify with that community. And I feel like we just need a more diverse Congress. And the way that happens is making these people feel comfortable and um, making them feel as if they are being heard. One thing um, to make um, the LGBTQ plus community um, specifically feel more comfortable, I believe, is if our generation educates ourselves more on the difference between gender and sexuality. So, Abby, what is the difference between gender and sexuality? Okay, so gender is a construct, um, <laughs> is, is what you'll, you'll learn in, like, your anthropology courses. Um, but when it comes to gender versus sex, uh, sex is, like, what you're born as um so i was born with like a female identifying parts i guess um but my gender is like non-binary like i don't assign myself to one gender or another some people will say that they're they're gender fluid which is just how they they feel i think i mean i've, I've never been one to really understand gender because i've never felt so like strong towards one side versus the other um and so that's gender. Um, and then sexuality is like who you're attracted to. This has no, like this has nothing to do with your gender or your sex. This has, this is just who, who you want to fall in love with, I guess. And yeah. Thank you for letting the listeners know that, Abby. I think that this is something that everybody can brush up on because it's something very important that we should all know. and. I just also wanted to go over that one thing that we can all be better about is asking people and, and using pronouns, and that's in our, our social media bios, Twitter bios, whatever. Just, you know, normalizing, introducing yourself with your pronouns to make um, members of the community feel more comfortable, and that's something we want to build. As I said earlier, we want to, we want to build comfort, and that also comes with understanding, as we said before, somebody could be born with female identifying parts, but they want their pronouns to be he, him, his, and that's something that um, needs to be respected. Um, we want to make these people feel more comfortable. We want to make everybody feel comfortable, and that's something I think we need to, to get better with. Abby, how do you think we can get better with using pronouns and um, making people of the queer community in general feel more comfortable in society? So I think, I think it definitely has a lot to do with the, the pronouns, at least, like when it comes to gender and like gender queer people. Um, a lot of times people don't feel comfortable using they, them, because they'll say like, oh, that's grammatically incorrect, this, that, um, and they kind of feel uncomfortable. And it's kind of a privilege, like this is your first time in your life you felt uncomfortable talking about gender when somebody who has been like dealing with this since they since they were you know a child, trying to figure out what their what their gender identity is, um, has been a very like uncomfortable experience for them. And just you having to say they them is not <laughs> a big deal as much as people like to to think it is. Um, and I think like, I mean this this might kind of be like sound counteractive, but. Making people uncomfortable is when we, we get that change for people who've been feeling uncomfortable for so long. And then those, those who are comfortable being uncomfortable. 
I'm not sure if that makes sense. But <laughs> no, I I actually I absolutely agree. Change comes through um, comes from 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 uncomfortable things, um, and we can normalize using pronouns um, if everybody kind of gets along with it. Even if it even if it makes you feel a little uncomfortable, you have to understand these like there are people who have felt uncomfortable their whole lives because they have been able to express um, their true self, their true identity, mm-hmm. their their own truth that they live every every single day. And that's something that I think, as a generation, we need to we need to be um, better with. And I do see a lot of people, which I appreciate, you know, putting their their pronouns in their social media bios, um, introducing themselves with their pronouns, which I think is is great. Um, but I also want to knock down like some some I guess like myths per se about this stuff. Like some some of my friends at least, or some some people I understand from our generation are like, oh, like wouldn't it be weird if I like if I introduce myself with my pronouns or if I put my pronouns in my bio, um, Abby, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I'm still kind of getting used to using they them pronouns. Like I just recently switched to those, um, and I think once we have that ability of, I mean, like even on Canvas, like I just recently switched my pronouns on Canvas as well, and that's when I was like, it's official. <laughs> I use they them. Yeah. Um, because that's like an academic um, background where it kind of, everything kind of feels more professional and official in the academics versus like social when you're just hanging out with, with your friends. And I think both, like you don't need to be two different people in both environments. Like you should have that ability to be your true self. Like your your identity should be valid in both areas. And I think a lot of times, like even outside of gender identity and like being queer in general, even students of color might feel this as well. Um, just like minority groups, really. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there you have it. Like you, you can. Um, it, it won't. It's not weird if you if you introduce yourself using your pronouns or if you put your pronouns in your social media bios. You're making people feel more comfortable. You're making people feel more comfortable, um, and and that's what what we want to get at. Now, one thing that that definitely doesn't make uh, people feel comfortable is and this is something that I I um, saw during the election. Um, I'm sure everyone else saw these posts. It, it, these posts of people saying. Um, like no matter the outcome of the election, like we can all wake up and still be friends um, the next morning, and we, I, I really don't know what to say to that because when there are rights of many different groups on the line with an election, and you are friends with a member of one of these um, one of these groups who identify with one of these groups, and you actively vote for somebody who's trying to strip their rights away, that you're not that person's friend. And if you think you can wake up the next morning and call yourself that um, that person's friend, uh, that's that's quite sad. That's actually complete bullshit. Um, you really can't do that. And how, how did these posts make you feel, Abby, seeing people be like, oh, like, whatever, like, the, these election results aren't aren't that big. Like, like, we can all still be friends the next morning. How did how did that make you feel? Um, it, it, yeah, I was pissed off because... <laughs> Like, you're, you're not going to sit there and say, I don't agree with your existence. I don't agree with what you're trying to do with, with your life. But we can still be friends because, you know, like, politics are separate from our our daily life. And I, and I just don't think that's true, especially when we've already lost, like, over 230,000 people 
um, to just, I mean, obviously politics is our life now because people have died due to politics. And I, and I think that when it comes to rights of like queer people, um, I think that was also up for grab during the election. Um, our lives and just like, obviously like black lives as well, aren't, don't really mean a whole lot for some people and definitely not to Trump. Yeah, um, and that's, and that's, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, as Abby said, we have lost 230,000 lives due to politics. That's right, 230,000 people have died of COVID-19 and that's because we decided to make it something political. And we have lost countless other lives um, due to people making things political that shouldn't be. For example, we lost many black lives this summer. Um, and it was, it was disgusting. It was quite mortifying. And the fact that nothing was really done about it by our government was even more disgusting. And something I really want to bring up, um, because I saw this, this also trending. There was a video of Melania Trump um, t saying how her husband, Donald, is a champion for LGBTQ rights, and she was claiming that, that he loves the gay people and, and all this other stuff. Yeah, saying, <laughs> saying all this crazy stuff. Um, but, I mean, his actions don't, don't really portray that. Um, he decided to appoint Amy Coney Barrett as a Supreme Court Justice of the United States. Um, Amy Coney Barrett, multiple times, has discussed um, her views on gay marriage and that she is she is not pro-gay marriage um which is and that's that's a direct attack on the lgbtq plus community appointing somebody who's who's willing to take their white right to marry the person they love away um donald trump um at one point in time also did not allow transgender people to enlist in the u.s military which is also a direct attack on the lgbtq plus community um how did these how did these actions by president trump make you feel abby um I mean, it, it really made me upset. I think the first thing that I noticed, like back in 2015, 2016, when he, when he chose Mike Pence as his VP, who openly had like conversion therapy camps in Indiana, um, and he was like pro-conversion therapy, I was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, and... I don't know, I guess I didn't really grow into my, my queerness until college. Um, and I, yeah, I, I guess like in high school I knew it was wrong um, and I felt really scared, but now it's like more real because now I'm like an adult and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is like, up. yeah, this is something that I have to deal with. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, couldn't have said it any better. Um, as I said before, <laughs> um, I mean, when, when you actively support two people who have directly done things um, to affect members of this community, not only members of this community, um, but other communities have done things that directly um, negatively affect these people, you cannot claim you can be friends with them. You cannot claim that you want to be friends with a member of the LGBTQ plus community the next morning if Donald Trump gets elected. And you voted for him because that's that doesn't make any sense. You're voting for somebody who doesn't believe um, in that person's existence. Same thing goes um, with a black person. If you're like, oh my gosh, like we can be friends the next morning, but you weren't saying stuff about the police brutality that happened this summer, and you mm -hmm. were 
you were just sitting there when Donald Trump was tweeting out about law and order and how the Black Lives Matter thugs were taking the streets. You, you can't do that. Um, and you have to understand that that's not that person being an asshole. That's actually you being an asshole. Um, because that's, that's like somebody um, saying to you, um, yeah, like, like you're my friend, but I'm going to do something that, that directly affects you in an extremely negative way, but I want you to still be my friend. That's what that's saying. Um, so I just, I just thought that was something important to get out there because that's complete, just complete horseshit. <laughs> um, and I thought that was something important to go over on the podcast. Um, so to get on a more positive note, I wanted to kind of ask Abby about the multiple organizations that they're involved in and how these organizations have made them feel extremely comfortable on campus and have made them feel safe and how these organizations have um, truly um, changed their college experience. So how, how have the organizations you've been involved in helped you, Abby? Like how have they helped you um, feel comfortable? So Ben and I both go to a college that has a good population of sports people, um, and I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Uh, not saying that like queer people don't do sports, but I don't. <laughs> and so I was kind of nervous in that aspect, but as Ben was saying, um, I was able to find my people and I, I found that through multiple multiple groups. So one was a group, Bonner, um, Bonner Leaders, which is a group of students that are like civically engaged for social justice, um, community building, global perspective, like everything that my young my young queer heart just loves about the world. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was able to like have that nice spot where I could be open and there was other people who were open-minded as well and we're all just like learning from each other and it's just it's amazing <laughs> um another group on campus on campus that I'm part of is I'm in a I'm in a gender inclusive fraternity which means um <laughs> it's a frat but it allows every gender to join actually like one of our chants is like how many genders and we'll say all of them <laughs> <laughs> that's i actually love that that's super dope <laughs> because like i don't know it's just kind of limitless um i yeah i i think within that group i when i first like came out as non-binary <laughs> the group i i said like oh i use she her or they them um and it was that it was specifically like my two two of my brothers um they both we're using they them for me only and like never she her and I was like I really like that like that makes me feel actually more accepted and like more I don't know like I just feel seen um and then that's when I I was like yeah I, I think I'm gonna use they them because then it just feels more comfortable um and right so if I like if I wasn't part of that group then I don't think I would ever really come to terms about my identity and like what what it means to be myself. <laughs> yeah, and that's something really important uh, when you go to college is is finding um, finding comfort, um, and that's something that I feel like the college that I go to and many other colleges can can improve on. 
because colleges are very quick to accommodate student athletes or regular uh, straight cis white people. Um, they're they're very very fine with accommodating those people, but when it comes to people who identify with with multiple different diverse groups, who uh, people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community or people of color, they, they kind of drop the ball, in my opinion, on, on helping accommodate those people and helping them feel comfortable on a college campus. Um, for example, like here um, at the college I go to specifically, um, we have a very like high population of, of white students, right? And we have an extremely uh, high um, population of, of white professors as well. And something that I think uh, my college can do a better job of is, is hiring a more diverse staff of, of professors and just faculty in general, hiring more people of color, hiring more people of the LGBTQ plus community, hiring more women, hiring more non-binary people. I think that's those are little tiny things that the school can do to make people feel more comfortable um, at the place they go. And another thing that they can do is, is kind of setting up safe spaces for members of different communities and, and something that my school um, has done that I'm extremely proud of is they do have a center um, uh, for inclusivity which I think is great um, but I think we can build off of that and we can make um, a center for LGBTQ plus students to all kind of come together and express themselves. Um, what do you think that would look like Abby and how do you think that would kind of add to the atmosphere here at the uh, college that we go to? I think that at our institution specifically, um, or I guess like for colleges all over, it's nice. I think that every student should have some space where they feel comfortable. Um, and I think specifically for like queer students, um, that that can be seen as like having a space for for them to just like go and hang out after classes and stuff because I know like personally I've been like misgendered or I've been like invalidated like some some type of my experience has just like been invalidated and I will just go back to my room and kind of feel isolated and I think I mean I guess it's hard to do with COVID obviously but having that space where you can like share your experiences with other people who get it is awesome um i know we have like we have different houses with like different interests and one of the houses is is called the queer house um i think like that's a good first step but it'd be cool if we had like a more official building um not like its own building but like a space within a building that can encompass like more than two people <laughs> um yeah and i think that's something that's extremely important um just for, for any member of any any community is just feeling comfortable while while you're at school because college is already something that's extremely mentally draining. Um, one thing that I've I've literally learned at college is you just kind of like take an L and then go throughout your day, which like kind of fucking sucks. But like imagine having that. So like imagine like like absolutely failing an exam, right? And you're kind of having a shitty day and like there's a long line at the cafeteria so then you just go back to your dorm you're getting ready for your next class you go you go to your next class and then your professor um just misgenders you or invalidates a part of your identity that's something that sucks and um students deal with that all the time 
And if there's a place for them to kind of go and decompress and talk to other students who, who share that truth and share that identity, I think that's something that's great for the whole campus. And that's something that we can um, hopefully look forward to, not only on, on the campus that we go to, but other, other college campuses, because that's when true progress is made, is when everyone kind of buys in. And this isn't something like crazy that's being asked for. It's literally making people feel comfortable. And like something, I guess, to, to kind of maybe put things into perspective here is like, imagine like just you're, you're a straight white person. Um, you identify as a male and you go into class and your professor decides to use she, her pronouns on you all the time. And it's like, oh, like, like um, Ben, like, like she's such a, like whatever. Like the, uh, you'd probably get pretty annoyed. So that's, that's um, something to kind of put into perspective. Like, just make people feel comfortable. And if you're not choosing to use somebody's pronouns, I don't know what else to say. And I, I really am just going to be quite frank, like you're a fucking asshole. Like that's just you like like being literally an asshole. Um, it's I, like, I don't know why you wouldn't use somebody's pronouns. Um, and I understand like this is something new that everybody's learning about. And we went over the difference of gender versus sexuality earlier because I feel that's something uh, many members of our generation need to learn the difference between the two but if you don't use somebody's pronouns like you're pretty much being an asshole that's like I mean it's just it's just something that makes people feel more comfortable like why wouldn't you do something that makes somebody feel comfortable that's literally you like almost putting a middle finger to their face because they're asking you they're literally asking you like hey my pronouns are they them can you please use the pronouns and you being like no like I don't want to do that or um I think like and mistakes are allowed as well. Um, I know, like, my friends that use they, them, sometimes I'll, I'll, like, fuck up and say, like, the wrong pronouns. Um, but I think they know, and I know that I understand their, their true identity. It's just, yeah, I, I think, like, mistakes, mistakes are, are allowed as long as, like, people learn from them. And I think, like, that, that can be said for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be quite candid. Uh, this is not the first take here. Uh, earlier while recording, I accidentally used uh, she, her pronouns for Abby, but Abby did not tear my head off. <laughs> it was not it was not not anything like that because Abby understands like I'm learning as well. And mm -hmm. I understand that I'm learning and I'm making the effort to learn and I'm making the effort to um, start to use even my pronouns and putting them in my social media bio or like when meeting somebody being like my pronouns are he him or even on zoom um, something that uh, one of my professors here does is uh, they require us to put our pronouns there to make uh, everyone else feel more comfortable and I, I think there's no issue with that I think that's actually great um, and as I said before these aren't like big things that are being asked it's not like oh my gosh like like you need to tear your leg off no, this is this is small things um, that are going to help people feel more comfortable. And I think we need to really start trying to do this with um, every community, really. Um, and I think just making everybody feel comfortable is something that we should all strive to do. And I have no doubt that our generation is the generation to do that because we are by far the most socially active, politically active, um, and aware generation I don't know, like in the last X amount of years. Um, but I know that we're extremely capable of making others feel comfortable. And I think it does wonders. When everybody feels comfortable, they're able to express their ideas. And when people feel as if they're able to express their ideas, they're going to 
run for these positions in office, and we're going to see more diverse Congress uh, groups in the future, or classes, rather. But um, I feel like that's where we need to start. We need to start with the small things and just build up and keep building and, um, you know, understand that we can make mistakes, but we just have to learn from them. And um, as I said before, there's room to be made with every group, and we need to make every group feel comfortable because one thing I don't think people really understand is that we have grown up in a white man's society. Um, so everything that has been created, tangible or non-tangible, uh, tangible, has been created to accommodate to the white man. Um, and we need to start to come to grips with that. We need to start to understand, like, oh shit, like, like for example, myself, like I have grown up in a society that has been created to, to help me succeed. I need to, and what I'm doing is acknowledging that and being like, okay, like, what can I do to help accommodate others? Like, what can I do to help make others feel comfortable in this society that was built for people like me? Uh, built for literally straight, cis, white men. <laughs> um, and I want to try to tear down these shitty walls that have been put up in the past and, and try to make everyone feel more comfortable. And that's really the goal. Um but thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Abby, for coming on the podcast. Yeah. I, I'm super excited um, to post this. Um, next week, the topic of discussion is going to be toxic masculinity, and that's something that I'm very excited to talk about. Hope you guys all tune in next week. Um, I'll see you guys later, um, and this is Podcast New Generation. Peace out.